Hello, everyone. Look at my keyboard. How many do you have? How many do I have? Well, not too many. <laughs> right. Yeah. I probably have like 12 keyboards, but wow. this one that I just got, it's got like a brass weight on the back. It's a fully oh, aluminum wow. keyboard. And all of the switches are like lubed with a very specific type of grease. And also the stabilizers are. Ooh, I love this one. Hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here, joined as I often am by my wonderful co-hosts, Ciora, Cassidy, and Ryan. Hi, y'all. Hello. Hey. So the big news in the developer world today is that the CEO of GitHub, who I believe is also, was he a founder, is stepping down and a new leader is coming in. Is that, do I have that right? I'm not sure about the founder part. I don't think he was the founder. Okay. But he's returning to his startup roots, so that's exciting. That's good. He's got some cool ideas for tokenizing something. AI and tokens (laughs) in the cloud. Yeah. What's the industry reaction and what's your reaction to this change at a company that is so central to so many developers' lives every day? I feel like it was coming and we just Mm. didn't know about it because their big GitHub Universe conference was last week. Mm. And so- because it was very recently, I wonder if they were just waiting for the conference to pass before they announced everything. And it was definitely a timing thing. But he has talked a lot on Twitter about investing in startups and stuff, too. So I, I think it was it's a change in interests more than anything else. Yeah, I think we see this a lot happen a lot, too, where someone is like in a big tech company and they kind of miss the whole vibe of the startup world. And so they get their fill of being in big tech and then they're like, you know what? I want to go back to the the more exhilarating startup world. Yeah, and I, I feel like what you said, CR, that's doubly so when they get acquired by a big company. Mm-hmm. They're no longer the big boss of, you know, a middle range startup. The coolest move to ever be pulled, and I don't know how it's going, but I think this person might come on the podcast is this guy, Mitchell Hashimoto, who started HashiCorp and then went on to become CEO from founder and then decided I want to be CTO. And then earlier this year, was like, actually, I'm just going to go back to being an IC. Like, I kind of missed that. And so that's what he does now. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting when I saw that. But it's cool that you can like decide to do that. I always feel like, well, in my mind, if I think about going higher and higher up like the ladder or whatever, becoming a manager, it's like once you do that, I always envision that you have to like keep doing that, right? Like if you make it to the level of being a VP or a director or whatever, I'm always like, okay, I can't go back to being IC. Like that's just not going to work. But it's cool to see that some people are actually doing that, you know? I wonder what kind of IC he's going to be, though. Like, he's still going to have the residual authority. Right. The people are still going to be like, you used to be big right. boss. I'm going to go gentle <laughs> on yeah. your PR reviews. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. So it looks like I was wrong. So Nat Freeman worked at Stripe, was a corporate VP at Microsoft, and then became something at GitHub. So not a lifer. And what about the new person who's stepping up? A guy from a pro- chief product officer? Do we know? Yes, about chief product officer. But then also, what hasn't really been addressed in his blog post is that the person who was on the Microsoft side in charge of GitHub was also promoted. The CPO, mm. chief product officer, is moved to CEO, and then the person at Microsoft who was overseeing GitHub was promoted. So they're a little tied a little closer together now. Yeah, yeah, I think a little bit. We'll see. Is CPO a cooler and, and more well-paid title now than CTO? I hear CPO more often these days. And two or three years ago, like chief product officer was not something I was like had thought of at all, really. CTO is like always a title I knew, but 
seems like chief product officer is like the cool t- it's like the cool CTO is the CPO these days. Not a regular CTO, I'm a cool CTO. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's tech here but it's product, product led growth. That's what it's all about. Although I feel like the whole product titling is pretty new, you know, within the last 10 years or so, seeing it kind of grow up and, and people be like, yeah, I'm a, a product manager instead of a project manager. There's still or all a program three of manager. And it's very confusing. <laughs> it's right. the worst. I'm a PM. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> whatever you think it means. Yeah. Titles are weird in tech sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So someone in my company was just changed from a product manager to a program manager yesterday. And I was like congratulating her. Yeah, this is great. But I also don't know what the difference is. And I was just like, <laughs> I assume this is a very good thing. Awesome. I don't know what's happening here. Cassidy, very important news for the two of us. The Verge, the world's number one gadget review site. <laughs> yeah, you had I'm to drop that in there. <laughs> <laughs> has done a full review of the key and yes. uh, 7.5 out of 10. Not bad. I liked that under pros and cons, both lists said, I mean, just look at it. Just look at it. Yeah. That's all you need to do. The fully programmable part is cool. And this person did the hack that we had discussed. It's now their Zoom control. So, you know, mute, mic, drop off the call. So that's cool. That seemed like a fun little implementation. Have you, have any of you ever heard of this thing? Instead of doing QWERTY, you do like a different layout, layout for your like keyboard? Like Dvorak or Colmac? Azerty. Dvorak or something it was called? Yeah. It sounded very. I was just like so intimidated looking at that. Like the thought of changing up the orientation of all of my keys is like, that's like a nightmare for me. One of my coworkers types only in Dvorak. And I asked her like, so why? Was it just like for fun? And she's like, honestly, I kind of just went to prove that I could. And now I can't go back. It's so much more intuitive than QWERTY. Oh, wow. Right. I've heard that it was sort of scientifically developed to be a better way. In of my typing. brain, that's like if I wanted to, for the day, write with my left hand. Like, I can't imagine doing that and not making a whole mess of everything if my the whole orientation of my keyboard changed. But I guess you could get used to it over time if, like, you make enough mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because QWERTY, a little history lesson for anybody out there who doesn't know, that layout was designed to sell typewriters. And so the top row of your keyboard, you can type the word typewriter really fast because it's all on the top row of your keyboard. Everybody's <laughs> looking down at their keyboard now. <laughs> and I everything else was spaced out in a way where they didn't want keys to stick while they were selling typewriters, so they very purposely spread out letters that would commonly be used together. So it's not; it wasn't built right for our hands or minds necessarily. It was built so that you could type the word typewriter, and so that those little mechanical arms didn't overlap and get stuck. Right. It was, it was so you could say, "Look how fast you can type! Wow, that's amazing!" Also, look, no keys are sticking. Wink, wink. <laughs> I find yeah. out more and more every day that there are so many things in tech that just haven't been updated to fit like today. Like, why are we still using the same format from right. typewriters when it doesn't really, it's not really effective and we right. just don't change it. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so many things like that in tech. I think, you know, in some ways we're sort of built to do things the way that things are, have always yes. been done. There's a famous experiment where it's sitting in a, a dentist's office or something and everybody except one is an actor. And every so often there's a bell that goes off. When the bell goes off, people stand up. And the new person is like, I'm going to stand up also. I don't know why, but I'm just <laughs> going to do it. And eventually all the actors go out of the room and it's all just regular people. And they still do the bell. They still stand uh, up for the bell. We're herd, we're herd animals, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's that famous quote from Grace Hopper. The most dangerous word in the l- phrase in the language is we've always done it this way. It's right. very true. 
But watch out. I can talk about mechanical keyboards for way too long, so I'll cut myself <laughs> off, I all promise. Right, but right. it is fascinating <laughs> to see how people try changing it up. And like in the mechanical keyboard subreddit, people will sometimes propose a new layout and say, hey, this is actually pretty intuitive because, and then they'll they'll explain how it works. And one thing that has been particularly fascinating to see is all the people getting involved in stenography. Have any of you seen that? The corded keyboards? No. I mean, if- heard of it like court stenographers and such yeah right so yeah so it's like like the court reporters how they write they type so fast because they're doing court reporting people are able to do that with the qmk firmware which is the firmware on the key on the stack overflow key so what you could do you could take a regular keyboard or you can make your own custom thing and you can do combinations of chords well just like piano chords where you type like three keys at a time and stuff and it'll type out words and Mm. it's fascinating because it's just like writing in shorthand which that is also kind of a dying art but it's typing and i watched this talk where someone was saying that before on a regular keyboard they were typing at a pretty decent speed like 100 words per minute nothing nothing particularly wild and when they switched to a corded keyboard to just try it out at first they were ridiculously slow because they had to slowly but surely figure out how to do it yeah but within Six months, they were at their regular speed again, at the 100 words per minute. And then within a year, they were at 200 words per minute. And then like this talk was like three years in. They were at over 250 words per minute and fast enough where some typing speed sites were kicking them out because they were so fast that it was like a bot Then they thought that they were cheating. Wow. So corded is like, right, I have something, some common word that comes up all the time and I just quickly hold TH and that writes the, and then I just, I'm moving on, like I'm already past it. Yeah, exactly. And and it's really complex. Like I couldn't really process it because I was like, okay, but what if I'm writing code? Like I want to write JavaScript or something. And this person was just like, I'm a software developer. I, I do this all the time. And I was and someone in the audience of this talk was like, Well, could you write like a hello world function that just console logs hello world? And it was like three keystrokes and it was just done. Yeah. It was so fast. Very hard to process. <laughs> right. Like if you're always putting in function this and class that, like why can't that just be a macro that's just like so much just pop it in there? Wow. Right? There's no reason mm-hmm. to spell that out. Speaking of doing, oh, well, we, we keep doing things the way they've always been done. Stenographers, bless them, but nobody needs to do that anymore. We can just record the court and then transcribe it with a computer. Like we don't need somebody to be like there with the type, you know, typing. So I guess they, they is- can read it back in court. Yeah. So like read back what they just said. I've seen what a lot of them are doing now is is just doing live captioning of podcasts oh. or live streams and stuff because when it's human live captioned rather than by an AI it's just that much more accurate. Yeah. And I've seen right. that at quite a bit of conferences and stuff. Oh, that's really cool. I've been seeing a lot of people on TikTok get into mechanical keyboards. I only found out about mechanical keyboards when I got into tech. I didn't know they were a thing before then. But now, like, students, university students and stuff like that are buying these really cute mechanical keyboards. There's a BTS one. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but there's a BTS mechanical keyboard. They, like, make videos of themselves putting the keys in and everything. And it's always fascinates me to see, like, non-tech people doing things that usually only tech people do. Like, I think I talked about this on one of our podcast episodes before, but my younger sister, she's in high school. One of her projects, they had to build a website. So... I don't know. I think that kind of stuff is really cool when you see like, oh, the normies are doing tech stuff now. Like, I don't know. It's really what? Cool. <laughs> well, we all spend so much time in front of our keyboards. Like Cassidy said, this is like how we define our person. Go ahead. Show your keyboard. It's, Go it's ahead. So f- Hello, everyone. Look at my keyboard. How many do you have? How many do I have? Well, 
not too many. <laughs> right. Yeah. I probably have like 12 keyboards, but wow. this one that I just got, it's got like a brass weight on the back. It's a fully oh, aluminum wow. keyboard and all of the switches are like lubed with a very specific type of grease and also the stabilizers are. It's very Whoa. nice and smooth and <laughs> stuff. Ooh. I love this one. When we're old, you know, like I would go to my grandfather's house and you just have so many books and like first edition books. And I'd just be like, yeah, I mean, this is great. This is like 80 years from now. People are going to like find your old keyboard collection. Like, yeah. All laid out. They're like, what is this stuff? Because they're going to be typing with their minds. Yeah, yeah people exactly. People used buttons to type. <laughs> it's bizarre. I wonder what the speed of thought like is. Like 250 words per minute sounds like faster than I can think. I don't think I... If I were like rage blogging or something or, or typing something <laughs> out, I, I can't type as fast as I'm thinking because I'm just trying to get words out. So I could see that being very fun to just like smash some keys and be just like, my essay is written about how right. angry I am about things. I could see that being great. But I think your your speed probably depends on whether or not you hear your mm. voice in your head when you're thinking. Like some people don't. They don't have an inner monologue? Yeah, some people literally do not have an inner monologue. And some people will think without subvocalizing. That fascinates me. That fascinates me too. On Twitter a year ago, the this image of, it's like five stages of how people visualize things in their mind. If you close your eyes and you try to visualize an apple, what do you see? Some people see nothing. It's like stage one or stage one or zero is you seeing nothing. And then stage five is you seeing like a full detailed apple that's very realistic. There are like, of course, mm -hmm. stages in between where it's like more vague, more cartoony, more detailed up until it gets like realistic. When I close my eyes and try to visualize an apple, my mind is completely blank. And like some people, like really? my sister, my parents, they see like a full detailed apple because I asked them. I just couldn't believe it. And it has a name. I right. forget the name of it. I've thought about this a lot too. It's really interesting. And just right? like what Ryan was saying, just blew my When I close my eyes, I'm like stage one. I can make like a cartoony sort of like vague apple that like goes in and out. Like I've met people who are great visual artists. It's like having perfect pitch. You'd be, they close their minds. They yeah. can see an apple and like rotate it in 3D and like change the yeah. light and like look at it however it's amazing. they want to look at it. it that's it's how i am like i visualized eye. holding an apple and like spinning it oh, no i'm like a no blank way. slate and then the, the funny thing is i draw and as a kid i used to paint and everything but i've always been a person who had to work off of references like i can never do anything off of, out of my imagination or make anything up like i'm not very imaginative in that way people think i'm creative but i'm always like no because i can't imagine <laughs> things and that's why this is like really interesting to find out about now i wonder if you can train your mind to do that like if you could like learn how to have a mind's eye you know that's what i was thinking because i was like I'd do like you to dream visually i do dream visually but like if i do you know how some people like fantasize and they get really like into their own like little inner world yeah, or whatever <laughs> i can't do that if i sit here right now yeah. and i try to imagine like oh imagine going to like italy or whatever and like being on a boat with like dolphins or something i can't I will literally, my mind will wander onto something else because I can't huh. like visually see it. So I much prefer to like hmm. watch movies and things like that just to see someone else's visualization. Side question. What What is y'all's level of uh, ADHD? Mm, probably mm. very high. <laughs> I was going to say I may or may not have gotten tested recently. So probably high. <laughs> yeah. I read something yesterday, a Twitter thread talking about ADHD, that it's actually a deficiency of your nonverbal working memory that you can't actually picture future states. Hmm. Nobody on this call has a photographic memory, do you? Oh, no. Would you say? Absolutely not. No, no. but like, no. okay, this is, we're getting into this now. I can remember a lot of things. <laughs> so can I. I used to be nationally and internationally ranked for memorizing pi. 
the digits of pi. Oh, I well, memorized over 600 digits of pi and like had to recite them and stuff. Yeah. And so cool. I do remember things pretty well. And it was truly just like reading numbers in like history class in school and being just like, okay, I'll memorize this chunk next. Right. And then slowly. Well, you have a numerical sure. memory, it seems like, but not a, maybe not a visual memory. Yeah, I don't think it's photographic, but it's it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I know for me, I remember like facts about people really well. And I remember people's faces really well. Like I said, I used to be really frustrated with myself when I was younger. I was like really seriously into drawing and I would try to like sit down and I would like try to let, let me like draw draw this person that's my best friend. And without a picture, I couldn't do it. And I used to be so disappointed in myself because I'm like, how can I like I'm an artist. Like I should be able to do this. And I, and Mm. I just couldn't. And I think it's probably because of that visualization thing that I just can't do. And I've tried, like, I've tried so hard to sit here and like really try to like, let me think of the apple and nothing comes up. And it doesn't matter what I think of. I can think of a glass of water, a pencil, still all black. You know what though? I really do think it's possible. I mean, like, I think there's a natural tendency and like probably like certain people have certain ceilings or floors, but I spent a lot of time doing meditation during the the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they ask you to do is like to just like count to 10 and then start over again, like with your breasts or whatever. And so to prevent my thoughts from wandering, I started visualizing the numbers like as they would go by and then I would start again. And then I would like make the numbers into different, different elements and they'd like change between the elements or whatever. And like the more I did it, the easier it was to like hold the image in my mind huh. or like change the image or like just just like a casual practice of that like you, all of meditation kind of teaches you that like there's a lot of things with your mind that are your patterns that you're set in your patterns that you can change kind of like the way you could change what the pot you know what your body does or can or can't do with exercise that's so I, interesting. you know i'm sure there's limitations to it but. yeah global knowledge offers it training and certifications to give you the necessary technical skills for success Stay sharp and grow your knowledge by getting 30% off an authorized AWS training course today. Visit globalknowledge.com slash AWS30 to claim this offer. But yeah, I was thinking yesterday about what y'all said about um, learning languages and learning to code. I, it's very easy for me to like imitate and pick up accents and like do me like too. mimic people. But I've never learned a language like fully. I was like pretty conversant in Spanish, but I never like got tenses and I was just like, at a certain point, I'm always just like, ugh. And it's the same with coding. Like, I feel like at a certain point, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> like, this is too, like, I could learn this, but like, it's kind of hard. <laughs> and there's other things that are easier for me. And then I just go the other way, you know? It's funny that you mentioned that because despite being like very visually like behind, I guess I could say, it's not behind, but like different <laughs> behind, from everyone else. Different. Different from, yeah. yeah, different. I'm very good with like audio things. I'm very good with accents. Mm. I grew up playing instruments. Music theory is very easy for me. Harmonies are very easy for me. Like, all anything that has to do with like speaking accents, that kind of thing, I can remember and do very well. I can like visualize songs, and if I if I have like a guitar with me and you play like play a song, I can figure it out pretty quickly. But for visual stuff, just there's nothing there, nothing. But on the audio side of things, it's totally different. So I don't know huh. if that means anything. If we have any neuroscientists, we all have yeah. different skills, right. different brains. So so if you were to be just like, okay, can you visualize like a train could you hear the train even if though you couldn't see it oh yeah Mm. if i like remember a tv show or something like that i won't really see the characters but i'll hear their voices like from the scene very very and that was the thing i used to be such a huge reader as a kid yeah and i realized later like i don't visualize any of it like when i don't have like a picture in my mind of what the character looks like and then you see them in a movie you're like that's not like i never imagined it like that like that's all wrong and i'm just like it's whatever it is like 
I, I was just reading the book. Like the, the people in the book don't have like accents or, and they don't like appear. I don't know. Yeah. Like I find it interesting and I could like ideas and imagery, but like, it doesn't like make anything happen in my brain. It's just like words on the page. I mean, that, that'll happen for me if I've read the, if I've seen the movie mm. before reading the book, like I did that with the Godfather and it was like watching the movie. All right. Well, we've gone pretty far, <laughs> pretty far down this esoteric <laughs> path. Yeah, so about that GitHub CEO, right? <laughs> yeah, about the GitHub CEO. <laughs> right. I don't know what that guy's photographic memory is like or not like. Actually, another thing that's interesting that came up, speaking of like how you visualize and think about the world, we, we launched this collective. So that's like you pull together a bunch of tags from Stack Overflow questions. So Intel launched one. So I was just like browsing through it. And there were all these questions about programming, but they had to do with like chip architecture. And they were just like blowing my mind. It was like, you know, like people trying to understand how to set up a machine and then like write firmware, write some program. But like ultimately the question would boil down to like the way the chip was actually like laid out. And that stuff is always just like several layers too deep for me. (laughs) (laughs) We did have a blog post about programming for parallel architectures, like for SIMD programming. And that was just, just like it all depended on the architecture and it was baffling. I didn't even glance at the code. I was like, cool. And we have one coming up that's about like system on a chip, right? Where like a lot of like the chip is laid out in such a way that you can sort of reconfigure it so that it's good for, Hey, I want, you know, I want to write a program about robotics. It has programmable field logic. So you can set up a neural net. Yeah. Different ones for different applications, which is kind of cool. All right. Well, I'm going to read you a few fascinating questions I found from the network. These are my favorite questions from Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange today. Having a statistics argument over Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. So mm. I'm going to roll a 20-sided die, and the chance of guessing it is 1 in 20, or is it 1 in right. 400? And then there's uh, an answer here where they simulate it with a little bit of mm. code. I just feel like these are the people. Like if like Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange, it's like, it's like Reddit, but for a certain kind of people. This is what I'm talking about. A statistics <laughs> yeah. argument about Dungeons and Dragons. This is like the sweet spot for us. And then I, I show this to my wife this morning because she's a teacher. Academia is one of our stack exchanges and it's kind of like workplace. And I feel like the best questions, they just feel like an episode of like a sitcom or like a soap opera or something. This one is admit a teaching mistake without losing my authority. I made a small mistake while teaching a simple concept, mainly a numerical mistake. The concept was very well illustrated. I want to admit it to my students, but I fear losing my authority in teaching the class. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, there's got to be 10,000 words worth of answers and comments under this. Just like people just oh, pouring yeah. out their, oh. their hearts with some advice here. So that was nice to I see. I love yeah. seeing that stuff. Yeah. It's like humans are kind of, they're kind of nice sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. It is that time of the show. We're going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, somebody who came on Stack Overflow and saved a question from the dustbin of history. Thanks to Sandipa, awarded two days ago, why is Node.js required for Angular? Okay. If you need to know, we've got the answer for you. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. I do not have a visual brain, but you can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Actually, I just put in a new Chrome extension, Simple Twitter. So I'm using it more now because it's just the feed without the likes or the retweets oh, or the trending topics. I need that. So it's like, it's clean Twitter. Mm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like smoking a light right. cigarette. Um, <laughs> you can uh, email us podcast at stackoverflow.com with questions or suggestions for me or for any of the folks on the show. Yeah, if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog at Stack Overflow. I'll read your DMs on Twitter at rthordonovan. 
And if you have a great idea for a blog, email us at pitches at stackoverflow.com. I'm Cassidy Williams, Director of Developer Experience at Netlify. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. And you can find me on Twitter. My username is Cioreo, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. I talk about a lot of different tech things and non-tech things there, so you'll definitely find me spending too much time there. 